So we are on week two of our legacy series. If you weren't able to join us last week or if you're watching online and weren't able to catch it last week, Pastor Jim again preached a wonderful sermon on the miracle of participation. How many of you enjoyed that sermon? I I know I did, and it was like it was just for me. And we spoke of, and he spoke about how Jesus wants to change us by involving us. Amen. He he wants to change us by participating with us. He wants, you know, he, he Pastor Jim spoke about how he asked Peter for his boat, but it really wasn't the boat that he wanted. It was Peter that he was after. And so sometimes God's going to ask you for certain things, not because He wants those things, but because He wants you. At the end of the day, Amen. God changes us by involving us. And, and, and speaking about participation, next week, November 12th, we will be taking up our legacy offering. And there's a couple ministries that we are a resource to. There's a couple ministries that we uh, support through this giving. And I'm going to mention some of them, our international ministries. We have Revive Israel. We have Wings of an Eagle Church, otherwise, otherwise known as Alas de Aguila. I'm, I think Pastor Bo said he was going to give a shot at that next week, saying it in Spanish. Alas de Aguila, Iglesia. And by is Mexico. We also have our Celebrating Life Ministries. We have uh, Pastors Tony and, and Shasta Miller and, Vil, and Vilna, Vilnius, Lithuania. Life Church, we support them as well. Apostolic Way of Life in the Philippines. And our very own Iamas Home that is near and dear to our hearts. And there's some also, also some other local ministries that we support, Matthew 25 Ministries, which is led by our very own Jessica and Langdon Cassidy. Uh, we also support the Sanctuary, which I believe they are a resource to single mothers, and also our families in crisis. We want to be a blessing to them as well. And also our Life Church Ministries, our Men's Ministry, our women's ministry, our children's ministry, anything that is a life church ministry, we want to support them as well. And the thing about this offering this year is that we are not asking anyone for to give a certain amount, but what we would love to see as a church is 100% participation. Amen. And I believe that, that God will do something through this. So I would just ask, or we would just ask you as, as a church that, that you would just pray and that you would ask God what he would have you give. Amen. So today, uh, actually before I go forward, does everyone have their sermon notes? And if not, raise your hand and we can make sure to get that out to you. But as we go forward today, we are talking about legacy. And we are talking about how we establish and develop our own spiritual legacy. I believe that we all want to leave a legacy of some type. Amen? And, and, and let's be real, we are all going to leave a legacy, whether it's good or bad. You don't really have a decision in that matter. You're going to leave a legacy. You're going to make an impression on somebody's life. I'm sure we make an impression on, on somebody's life every day, whether it's at the coffee shop, whether it's at the grocery store, at school, at work, right? We all make an impression, and we all leave behind a legacy. But one thing to know is that the longest-lasting legacies are the ones that make an eternal difference. I remember Pastor Jim said it this way. He called it ripples in eternity. Each of us, I believe we all have an opportunity to build something that is is a spiritual legacy that we leave with our children. I believe that we all want to have an impact not only on our church, but also in the world around us. Amen. And today we are going to look at Daniel as an example. So if you're following in your notes, we are on Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. 
It says, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Say, an excellent spirit. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. This is a scripture that shows us how, how Daniel had built a legacy at that time. And it was a legacy that was, that was so powerful. And he had already distinguished himself from all of the others. And, and you see, this word distinguished in this context is a unique word. Because we see, if you do some research, that it is the only time it is used in this scripture. There are other translations for the word distinguished, but in its, original, in its original language, it is the only time it is used in this context. And distinguished in this context means to show a difference. How many of you want to show a difference? It, when one is identified as different and distinct, and again, we see that it is only used in this scripture. And, and you may know the story of Daniel, Daniel and the lion's den, Right? especially if some of you maybe were raised watching VeggieTales, you probably know that iteration of Daniel and the lion's den. But, but there's so much more to, to Daniel than just that story of him being in the lion's den. If you follow the story of Daniel, this is what you find. You find that, that Daniel, as a teenager, as a young man, was, was taken captive, or he was deported to, to this nation that worshipped many gods. It was a nation that was the opposite of what he grew up knowing. And this was a nation that, that was led by King Nebuchadnezzar who had taken over Jerusalem and, 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 and the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Zechariah had prophesied that this would happen, that Daniel would be taken captive. And if you continue more to read a little more about the story of Daniel, you'll see that he served for 70 years, the kings of Babylon there. And, and although he served those kings, we see that he didn't, just go with the flow of the culture there. He didn't go with the flow of the people that were around him. He didn't immerse himself in the beliefs of that society. We see that Daniel, he was a man who stood his ground, and and he, again, he distinguished himself, especially when the king's orders conflicted with the orders that God had given to him. I want to talk today about how he distinguished himself and built his own spiritual legacy. Can we take some time to do that today? First, we see that Daniel was a man with uncompromising faith. Who can say uncompromising faith? Sometimes having great wisdom isn't just enough to stay alive in a hostile territory. And we know that Daniel was a wise, wise man. But Daniel and his three friends, they had a special favor. They had a unique calling over their lives as they lived in this pagan culture that, that didn't quite accept Jewish practices nor the God of Israel. You know, Daniel was raised knowing, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. But this nation that he lived in, they worshipped many gods. So how did they handle it is, is the question that I ask you today. How, how exactly did Daniel have this uncompromising faith? Well, first, he makes a decision. And we see that in chapter 1. He made a commitment. And commitment, that's, 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 that's an odd word. We don't really hear commitment too much today. We probably hear, oh, he has or she has commitment issues. And I'm not throwing any shots at anybody. But we see that Daniel made a commitment. And his commitment to God was 
that he wouldn't defile himself with the king's food. He's at the beginning of his captivity and the beginning of what they were going to try to do to him to indoctrinate him. So again, he makes this commitment that he's not going to defile himself. And I love that as you continue to read the story of Daniel, that he remains true to his commitment. And I love how, we, how he did it. And if you're following along in your notes, you'll see first that he did it with kindness. Daniel 1.8 says that Daniel purposed in his heart, meaning that he made up in his mind, in his heart, that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. And I like how it uses the word delicacies. That's such a good word for food. You know that food was good. But he, he, he promised or he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with the food nor with the wine which he drank. And then we read, it says, Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, I want to make a note there that, he, that the word says that he requested. He, he, he didn't demand for, 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 for anything to change. He did demand for them to bring him out a salad. But, but it says that he requested it, that shows that he had respect. He had respect for those who were in authority over him. He, he was submissive to those who were in command. Even though he was a captive and even though he knew he wasn't where he should have been, he was still kind. And I think that is something that is so powerful. I know many of us can relate to that. We might feel that we're not in the situation that we probably should be in. For followers of Christ... If we're going to be building a legacy, it's not going to be built on pride. It's, it's not going to be built on arrogance. It is something that will be built on the fruit of the Spirit, like, like kindness and, and peace and joy. Amen? Another way that he had this uncompromising faith was that he did it with God's help. I don't know about you, but I need God's help. Daniel 1.9 says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. It was God that brought Daniel into this favor. He had the help of God. And, and, and I know so many of us today are thinking to themselves, I want to make those commitments. And we know that many times those commitments we make will be challenged, especially in the culture we are living in. You know, there are going to be people who question your faith. There will be people who will test your faith. There will be people who will say and do things just to see if they can get a reaction out of you right? In, in this world that we are living in where people try to align their lives by with the, whether the stars are in alignment or not, and, and horoscopes, and people who go around talking about how Mercury is in Gatorade, whatever that means. <laughs> we have to have the help of God. We have to have God walking with us, Amen. This is one of the things that, that, that amazes me about Daniel is that he was a wise man. Yes, we know that. But in spite of that, he still trusted God completely. I, I know as, as a human being and, and as a, a leader of the house, I know sometimes when I acquire a little knowledge and when I feel a little wiser, sometimes it's easy for me to lean on my own strength and it's easy for me to lean on my own understanding. And, and it isn't until I miss up that I'm like, okay, God, I, I see it. Only you, can, only you can sustain me. Only you can walk me through this. And that was the incredible thing about Daniel is that he was one of the wisest 
men in all of the land, but yet he still completely trusted in God. We have to trust in him. God blessed him and gave him favor in the eyes of the chief of eunuchs. We see that Daniel kept his uncompromising faith through persistence. Verses 10 and 11 says, And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord my king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. What, what, basically what he's saying is, look, Daniel, I, I appreciate your commitment. I, I understand what you're trying to do. Uh, but, but if the king comes in and he takes a look at you and, and you look worse off than these other guys who are your age, well, he may very well just cut my head off. And, and Daniel in this moment could have, you know, in, in this moment of commitment could have easily said, you know what? All right, I guess there's no way out. Okay, I'll give in. I'll, I'll eat your food. But, but, but he was persistent. Verse 11 says that Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who you may not un- recognize these names, but this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and the reason why their names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that so that they could be assimilated to Babylonian culture. The king was trying to do this so that they wouldn't be able to be distinguished. And I don't know why, but I feel in my spirit to let you know today that the enemy will call you something that you are not. But the word says that he calls you and he knows you by name. So you are a distinguished people. He has called you into this glorious life. Amen. So in other words, he went over the head and and he not only talked to the chief of the eunuchs, but he said to the steward, I want to continue my commitment. I want to persist. And we see that he didn't give up and that he had persistence. Amen. We see that he did it through willingness to test his faith. At the first sign of trouble, we see Daniel doesn't run away. And and here he puts it on the line and he puts his trust in God on full display. He says, test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And this is where, if you, if you uh, do the Daniel fast at the beginning of the year, this is where this comes from. He says, let then our appearance be examined before you. In other words, I'm not afraid of the outcome is what he's saying. He's saying, I know what my God has spoken to me. I know what my God has promised me. And the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies, as you see fit, so deal with your servants. What Daniel's saying is, if we fell, deal with us. If we fell, do what you have to with us. And I don't know what all that entails, but I'm sure that they would have dealt with them in a way that he probably would not have liked. So he consented with them in this matter, and they were tested for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter and flesh. There's another translation that says that they... They had, like, they had an appearance that glowed. Then all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies, Daniel was confident that God's way was the right way. You are here. You are building a spiritual legacy because why? Because you are making a commitment. Because you are putting your faith in God. You are being strong. And, and you can have that faith because you're confident that God's way 
is the right way. Say, God's way is the best way. And that is the best life that we could ever live. We say it every Sunday, amen. Daniel was willing to demonstrate the superiority of God's way. Again, that his way was the only way. So we see that he asked the steward to give him and his three friends just some water and just and vegetables for, for 10 days. And, and, and then later on, we see the value of such faith. We, we see what becomes of, of, of the reward of this faith. We see that God blesses Daniel and his friends even more. Daniel 1.17 says, As for these four young men, and I want you to pay attention to this, God gave them knowledge, and God gave them skill. And listen to what it says right here. It says, In all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. That, that's so powerful. They are following through with their commitment, and God is now blessing them. Daniel stands strong in his faith, and, and there is an anointing that comes upon him. The touch of God comes upon him, and God is using him in a way that is different, in a way that nobody has ever seen before. And we see that these men, they become the best young men who had been taken captive, and we see that they are now serving in the presence of Nebuchadnezzar. The second point of how Daniel built his spiritual legacy and, and how you can build a spiritual legacy is he took his excellent spirit or he took those natural talents that God had gifted him with and, and God added to him the divine anointing and it equaled the great wisdom he had. Yesterday we were, we were at prayer and I, and I was over here sitting in the front and my wife, Kendra, she was right behind me and, and uh, man, God just prompted me. I just, I, 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 and she probably doesn't even know why I did this, but I turned around and just asked her for my Bible and God led me to the scripture, and, and, and this scripture isn't in your handout, but, but it's something that God impressed on my heart to share with you, and, and I believe that it's a beautiful description of what godly wisdom looks like. It's in James three seventeen and 18, and it says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. This godly wisdom, it's first of all pure, then it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive. It is full of mercy and it is full of good fruit. It is impartial and sincere. And then verse 18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of wisdom that I want. We know that Daniel was a talented young man. Yes, he was one of the best and he was one of the brightest in all of Israel. And we see here in Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, that Nebuchadnezzar is, is talking, and he says, Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, I wouldn't have made it, gifted in all wisdom, <laughs> possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. We see here that they were already, already trying to change them. They were trying to teach them the language, and they were trying to introduce them to their literature. And this is what they were looking for, and Daniel fits this description. He had a natural talent. He had a talent that was noteworthy. And again, at the end of this passage of Scripture, we see the plan they're saying, hey, let's bring these young guys in. Let, let's, let's indoctrinate them. Let, let's give them our food and, and let's give them our ideology. Let's help them become Chaldeans. Let's, let's help them become like the people of Babylon. Let's make them undistinguished people. 
verses 19 and 20 says, Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found. Nobody in the land was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were all in his realm. Bill, he doesn't just say that they were better. He says that they were ten times better. Isn't that amazing? I, I love that, 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 the, that the word of God says that he found them ten times better. I love how specific it is there. You see, this is what had happened. God's spirit gave Daniel a depth of insight and, and a revelation uncommon to prophets in that time. And, and Pastor Bo talked about it in our last series on the book of Revelation that God gave him deep insight. And we see that the angel of the Lord comes to Daniel in chapter 11 and says, But the people who know their God shall be strong and they shall carry out great exploits. This is all I'm asking you to do. This is all God wants you to do is he wants you to take your natural talent. He wants you to take what he has gifted you with and, and all of its insufficiencies and all of its imperfections because we are human beings. And he wants you su to surrender it to him. And I believe that if we would surrender our natural talents to God like Daniel did, you'd be surprised at, at how he takes what he has given you. Because if we think about it, he is the one who has created us the way we are. He is the one who has given us these abilities, these gifts, these talents. And if you give it to him, you'll be amazed at how God uses it for his glory. Amen. The wise man says in Proverbs 18, 16, that a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A gift in this respect is defined as, as a natural ability. What are you good at naturally? It is maybe an area of, or, or a skill that you may have that you are excellent in. However, regardless of how good you are in that field, we have to develop that talent, right? We don't get to excellent by just being excellent at it. You have to practice. It takes time. But I believe the primary sense for this gift or for this talent that we have is to glorify God. Everything we do is to glorify God, right? There's a portion of scripture that says, may he receive the reward of his suffering. Using your natural talent through the anointing of God's spirit, you can make a difference in this world. You will have a divine impact. And I believe that with every ounce of my being. So we see here that Daniel is building this incredible legacy by having this uncompromising faith. He is taking his natural talents and surrendering them to God. And the greatest thing that he did to build his legacy was he was a man of prayer. You got to live a life of prayer. Daniel was consistent in that he kept his date with his beloved Lord, with his God. And we see that he consistently went to the window three times a day and he would turn towards Jerusalem and he would pray. And he would look towards that city for a reason. It's because the presence of God had promised that he would dwell there one day. He was still in captivity in this time and he would look towards home where he knew where he should have been. He's saying, God, I want your presence in my life. He didn't do this when everything was perfect, he, he prayed even when his life was in danger. When, when they conspired against him and put a law in place stating that he couldn't pray to anyone but the king. 
Daniel 6, 10 and 11 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. This is what he believed. I'm not going to stop praying when things go wrong. And, and this is what the angel of the Lord says to Daniel in chapter 10, verse 12. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, this was Daniel's prayer, that his heart would understand. As a matter of fact, Daniel, with the way he lived, he lived a righteous life, I would say, with, and, and he lived a life of righteousness, and, and he had every reason to be upset because of all of the unfortunate things that had happened in his life, but instead, we see the scripture says that he humbled himself before God. And the angel says, your words were heard. Because you humbled yourself before God. And I have come because of your words. Daniel obeyed God and he put his trust in him at all times. Daniel built the legacy. As a matter of fact, the, Daniel, the legacy of Daniel lives on. As a young man, his faith gave him courage to remain true to his convictions, to, his, to those commitments that he made, to have that uncompromising faith. And as an old man, his faith sustained him in the threat of persecution Serving four different ungodly kings, he was a man who built a legacy. And as a matter of fact, his legacy remains strong to this day. I've heard so many preachings and teachings on the book of Daniel about Daniel himself. And, and, and some of you are familiar, well, probably a lot of you have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And as a matter of fact, when they were discovered in 1947, eight copies of the book of Daniel were found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, which is a testament to Daniel's legacy, which is a testament to Daniel's popularity in those times. And, and, and people loved his story because it gave them hope and it would strengthen their faith. Seventy years he served and he left a legacy. This moment I'd like to ask the musicians to come up here. Also, if you could join me as well in standing. So I ask you this question today. How do we establish our spiritual legacy? Well, we have to have that strong faith, amen? We have to use what God has given us, and we have to submit that to Him. We have to continue to pray. We have to build that relationship with Him. And I just want to give you a few pointers for establishing that legacy that we spoke of today. The first thing you have to do is you have to make up in your mind that you're going to be kind. There is never any reason for a follower of Jesus to be rude, to be arrogant. And there are times, yes, I understand, I understand there are times when, when we are faced with confrontations or we have what we call healthy discussions <laughs> or, or disputes, whatever you want to call them, talking loudly. But, but I don't ever see a place where, where Jesus or his followers were ever arrogant or rude or unkind. If, and I believe that if we're going to leave a legacy, we want people to see that there is something different about us. That we are distinguished, that we are different. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Be kind. Next, we have to seek God's help. Without God, any effort we make 
no matter how hard you try, is most likely going to fail without God's help. It is not going to be sustained. I have to have God. You have to have God. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Seek God's help. We need to be persistent. Don't don't be like that man who was tossed to and fro by the waves that come through or that that palm tree that gets tossed to and fro whenever the wind comes through. Don't give up trying after meeting the first obstacle. Keep going. I want to encourage you today to keep going, keep walking forward. As a matter of fact, Jesus, he challenges us to keep going on the sermon on the mount. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who was in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You have to be persistent. You have to be willing to test your faith I mentioned it earlier, your faith is going to be tested and tried. We are living in a world and a a culture that is going to test everything that we stand for. God isn't afraid and neither should we be. You know, Kendra sent me a, sometimes that's what we like to do. We like to send each other funny videos. And she sent me a video of this man who just said, I think we should just normalize us using the excuse of because Jesus said so. Why can't you do that? Because Jesus said so. Well, why, why do you do this? Because Jesus said so. Period. No comma. You have to have an uncompromising faith. As a matter of fact, God often invited people to test his promises. Try me, he's saying. His promises are true. He says, therefore, do not worry. What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For today will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And then Jesus says in chapter 11, he says, come to me. He's saying, test me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who here in this house needs rest today? We thank you, Jesus, for the rest that you provide to your people. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's saying, let me teach you. Let me show you my way. My way is better. My way is the best way. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest in your souls. This is a promise. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who can say amen today in this house? On your way in, you were handed some communion elements. And if you are needing some in this moment, why don't you raise your hand and we'll make sure to get some of that to you. 
communion is, is something that, that the followers of Jesus have been practicing. Uh, it's something that they have been doing since the early days of the church. And, and, and we take this, we do this as an opportunity to, to reflect, to pause, to, to just take some time to be intentional and to remember Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. And I'm so thankful that he paid that price. And it is also a time for us to examine ourselves and for us to examine our hearts. The Apostle Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So I would ask right now if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads and we're just going to take a moment to examine ourselves and, and ask for God's forgiveness in this moment. Lord, we thank you so much, Father, that you allow us this time, Lord, to reflect on you, to reflect on everything that you've done for us, Father. And we are so thankful, Lord, but while we are thankful, Lord, we are also imperfect. And as your word says, we are evil. Our hearts are evil. And, and this is why we pursue a relationship with you, Lord, because you are perfect. You are the God of perfection. And Lord, right now I ask, Lord, that you would just bring out forth anything in us that needs forgiveness, Lord. We ask your forgiveness right now, Jesus. And if we are holding on to any unforgiveness, Lord, I pray that we would just let go of that right now in this moment, Lord. Forgive our hearts, cleanse our hearts and our minds. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone say amen. Next, we'll just peel back that first layer and we'll take this wafer that that represents the body of Christ and, and we remember how his body was broken for our sin. Jesus tells his disciples, take and eat. This is my body. You may eat the wafer. Thank you for the bread, Jesus, that is your body. We remember your body that was that was broken for us. We thank you, Jesus. Next, we'll just peel back that second layer. Here we have some juice that, that represents the body of, that represents the blood of Christ. I'm sorry. And, and, and in this moment, we, we reflect on the new covenant, the, the new promise that we can all be free from judgment. We can all be free from sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. You may drink the juice. Lord, we thank you for the cup. We thank you for the blood. And we remember your blood that was shed for us, for our forgiveness. And we hold on to the promise that we will live in eternity with you. I'm going to pray for you. And then the worship team is going to lead us in a quick song. And then we'll close out. But. Jesus, as we take this time to reflect on the sacrifice you made for us, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to establish a spiritual legacy, a, a legacy that will extend beyond our existence, Lord, that we would be kind even when we feel like others may not be deserving of this kindness, Lord, that, Lord, we would seek your help and we would seek your understanding that we would lean not on our own mind and not on our own strength, Lord, but that we would seek your help and, and, and we would seek your understanding, Father. I pray, God, that we would be a persistent people, Lord, that you would put in us a spiritual grit that no one can stand against, God. And lastly, 
as our faith is test, Lord. I pray that we would remember your promises and how they are true. The Bible says that you are a keeper of your promise and that your word never returns void. We thank you, Jesus, that you are true to your word. Lord, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Can everyone say amen? Amen.